Blog Talk Radio. Start this shit off straight telling all three of y'all. Back on my name. Put some respect on my name. All three of y'all. Put some respect on my name. Y'all understand me? I ain't got no more talk. I'm pulling up on you, man. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name, y'all understand me? I ain't got no more talk. I'm pulling up on you, nigga. Put some respect on my name. And uh, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good day. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff with the one and only yours truly, Anthony Denmark. Denmark's like the country. And like my man Birdman just said, put some respect on my name. We have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Every time I open up a show, I have a different theme, and, of course, I decided to go with put some respect on my name. Everything that we're going to be talking about is about either coaches, programs, players who have done remarkably. However, they have not gotten the respect that they deserve. And, of course, Birdman said it best. You need to put some respect on their name, not just to three, but to the entire country. We have a lot of great coaches. We have a lot of great programs out there. They're doing a lot of wonderful things, but because they don't come from those blue blood programs, because those guys weren't parade All-Americans and five-star players, we find themselves being overlooked, dismissed, and completely ignored in a lot of senses. But again, like I said, uh, we have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Uh, We're going to continue our countdown to kickoff series, our road to Tampa series. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Michigan State Wolverines, of course, headed by Mark D'Antoni. In addition to that, we're also going to talk about other programs who I think deserve respect, coaches who deserve respect, who definitely aren't getting it, definitely not getting it in the wallet, and definitely aren't getting it when it comes to national notoriety. notoriety. Uh, again, this show is brought to you guys by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. That's E-A-T-D-R-N-K-S-L-P. SPRTZ.com. No, it is not the Webster's way, but it is definitely the Denmark way. But anyhow. We interrupt this show for breaking news. Breaking news. Number t- Hot tip number one. We found a way to stop Jim Harbaugh. And no, it wasn't based off of some remarkable play. No, it wasn't based off of something that Nick Saban, Jim McElwain, or Butch Jones placed on Twitter. Zika, y'all. Yes, the Zika virus is what ended up stopping uh, the latest to find a way to mysteriously stop uh, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, who, of course, is doing um, satellite camps in every corner of the country and also in every corner of the world, uh, he recently canceled a satellite uh, camp uh, that was supposed to take place in Australia uh, due to fears and concerns with Zika. Zika virus, y'all, ain't nothing to play with. And in the case of Jim Harbaugh, who likely will have more children, of course, after announcing that he's having his seventh, uh, of course decided that, you know what, hey, you know what, bruh, that Zika virus may not be the way, place to go. Quiet decision. <laughs> And another breaking, breaking news, uh, the Heisman odds were just recently released 
Uh, and at one point, Deshaun Watson was listed as the Heisman's favorite with odds of 5-1. to one. Uh, But now Leonard Fournette finds himself with the best odds to win the Heisman now at 9-2. to two. And Deshaun Watson also sat at 9-2. to two. And uh, the Stanford all-world running back, who should have won it last year, finds himself sitting at the odds of 11-2. and two. Now, I say this, man. We hear about West Coast bias, but boy, oh, boy, West Coast bias definitely did not do uh, Christian McCaffrey any favors. And since games were likely not to start at 3.30 this upcoming season, it probably may be the one thing that goes against him next season because we know it's not going to be dynamic play. And considering the fact that uh, Hogan is gone now, uh, uh, trying to work on his release now with the Kansas City Chiefs, the expectation is that Christian McCaffrey was definitely, definitely, I mean absolutely, definitely going to be counted on to do a lot of great things. And he's shown that he could do those great things last season. So let's be real, man. 11 and 2 odds, I, I like those odds. I think I may need to go ahead and throw some money down. Now, would any breaking news segment be appropriate if I didn't mention Johnny Manziel? I mean, like, at all? I mean, latest news is broke that Johnny Manziel will be suspended for four games whenever he comes back to the NFL. Now, what makes this story somewhat interesting and also somewhat peculiar is the fact that he actually never tested positive for any banned substances, but he finds himself suspended. Does that make sense to y'all? Because it definitely doesn't make sense to me. At this particular point, Arash Goodell has made himself judge, jury, and executioner, and I can honestly say that with that particular suspension in regards to Johnny Manziel, if, in fact, he gets his life together, I just wanted to just wonder, will the receipts that Roger Goodell used to prove drug use, would it be pictures on Instagram? Will it be text messages sent by his former lawyer who, of course, now has his license in question, as, of course, he accidentally sent uh, private text messages to the Associated Press? Hmm. And continuing the theme with Roger Goodell, judge, jury, and executioner, he also handed down some other suspensions, and in my mind are also somewhat questionable, awkward, and definitely something that definitely needs more explaining. As Roger Goodell handed down a 10-game suspension uh, to uh, McLean, yes. McLean, the linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, he, of course, got a 10-game uh, suspension because of substance abuse. He was suspended last season for four games. So because he did it twice and he couldn't say no to the cannabis twice, he now finds himself with a 10-game suspension. Of course, up next will be a year-long suspension. But, of course, you know, that is definitely something that goes by the book. But when I heard that Sheldon Richardson, uh, all-world defensive tackle for the New York Jets, he also was suspended. And no, it wasn't for not for substance abuse. He got a one-game suspension for content detrimental when he drove 185 miles in the 35-mile zone. And uh, when the police approached the car, of course, there was a smell of cannabis in the car, but that's not what makes the situation peculiar. What makes the situation awkward peculiar and just downright horrible is the fact that the child was found in the car without a seatbelt. So we got 10 games, 
for smoking the ganja one game for endangering the lives of a child? Does that make sense to you guys? Because it definitely does not make sense to me. And, of course, in our last breaking news, at this particular juncture, this particular point in the day, we are only hours, well, actually minutes, away from the start of NBA free agency. It's expected at this particular point money is going to be thrown crazily. We're hearing that Matthew Deladova may actually get a contract ranging between $10 million a year. We're hearing that uh, that uh, Baysmore, Kent Baysmore, a former dance partner of the Golden State Warriors, also the guy who Steph Curry to sign with Under Armour, it's projected that he's possibly going to get a contract ranging between $20 million a year. And you ask why Dwight Howard declined the $23 million. Because if, in fact, although Dwight Howard is a head case and now also an injured case, if, in fact, he's more than worth $20 million a year, I'm more than sure that even though Dwight will not win a, a popularity contest, he will definitely find himself getting between 25 and $30 million a year as well. Now, of course, it may not be in the sense of a long-term deal, but maybe somewhere in the instance of a one-year prove us you're not crazy deal. Now, that wraps up our breaking news segment. That breaking news segment is brought to you guys by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. Let me see if I can spell it real fast. That is E-A-T-D-R-N-K-S-L-P-S-P-R-T-Z.com. Again, not the Webster's way, but it is the Denmark way. Now, of course, um, we have a lot of things going on in today's show. Um, we're going to be talk, continuing our countdown to kickoff series. Now, to my first-time listeners, the countdown to kickoff series is a segment where we have writers come on from all over the country, from Bleach Report, SB Nation, and also from uh, those local papers in those college towns to come and share their insights and thoughts share their passion, and explain to us why either one, this is going to be the year, uh, why their team is going to be able to duplicate the success of seasons past, or either two, get that bitter taste of defeat that, of course, was bad, nasty, disgusting, that, of course, fans are anxious and hungry uh, to be able to put in the back of their mind. So, of course, so far we've had guests come on to talk about the Kentucky Wildcats, We've had guests come on to talk about uh, the uh, Tennessee Volunteers, and uh, we're going to continue to have guests coming on every week. I'm really happy. I've had I send out almost 300 emails. Yes, I probably should have been working on my memo, but sent out 300 emails, and I've got a lot of good responses. So uh, from this particular point until the start of the season and throughout the season, uh, we're going to have guests coming on to uh, preview the upcoming season and also help prepare us for the upcoming games that we're going to have uh, the pleasure of watching, witnessing, and enjoying uh, once the college football season starts. Now, of course, at this particular point in the season, uh, everybody starts the season zero and zero. Nothing separates an Alabama from a Jackson State, from a Louisiana Lafayette. Although they may have different hype machines, the expectations and the hope from all those fan bases is that they will find themselves being the last team standing in Tampa, which is why I call the part of the series the road to Tampa. 
because at this particular point, everybody is even. All 120 teams in the entire college football nation are even. But, of course, we know as the days grow closer and actually when the season starts, um, we're going to get us some separation, baby. And at this particular point, you have prognosticators and guessers and sports enthusiasts who believe that they know who's going to win. And, of course, we do know that at the end of the day, all those really are is just good old hypotheticals, good old educated guesses. And at the end of the day, a lot of times, most of them are wrong. But out there, with one of the people that I will interview, they'll be right. And, you know, one of the things that's always interesting is whenever you see the polls come out, you notice consistently you're going to see a whole bunch of SEC teams in the top 25. You're going to see, of course, one not big, one or two non-Power 5 teams, of course, make their way up the rankings. You're going to find maybe two Big 12 teams and uh, probably two uh, two ACC teams and, of course, three uh, Pac-12 teams. But we do know, of course, throughout the season, the rankings fluctuate, things change. And what I like more than ever is finding out those teams who nobody is talking about now, who nobody is predicting or prognosticating to be the team to be a title contender, a dark horse, a high finalist, to find themselves uh, being the toast of the town either throughout the season or at least find themselves being the flavor of wheat at least for one portion of the season. But at the same time last year, nobody was talking about Derrick Henry. Christian McCaffrey was a little known guy in, in a backfield that was supposed to just be one of many of a committee. And, of course, as the season ended, we found uh, Christian McCaffrey and uh, Derrick Henry at the Heisman, at the Heisman and uh, Derrick Henry being crowned a Heisman finalist. So we do know that, of course, everybody's going to talk about the Leonard Fournette's, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Sean Watson's, uh, the Samaje P. Ryan's and all the other great players who, of course, made the name for themselves last season. But what's great is being able to find out who's going to make a name for themselves this season. The only question is, will it be your team, will it be your team, or will it be your team? Now, of course, one of the things that's interesting, again, I said we're going to be uh, having a guest on uh, to talk about the Michigan State Wolverines. When you think about Mark D'Antoni, a lot of times he's a coach that rarely gets mentioned when you talk about elite coaches. And you really have to say to yourself, if, in fact, Mark D'Antoni was at a so-called blue blood, will he, be get, will he, be, will he have been as disrespected as he is right now? Because, honestly, I really think that year in and year out, Mark D'Antoni, despite the prognosticators, despite the doubt, despite the low recruiting classes, always seems to continue to exceed expectations. However, we always find ourselves only remembering him for falling short, but not remembering what an exceptional job he's done in Michigan State. Now, of course, when we think about Michigan State, we think about Nick Saban. We think about those days. But at some point, we have to realize that Mark D'Antoni has not only been able to bring the Michigan State program back to the place uh, where Nick Saban had it, but he's exceeded it, yet he gets no credit for it. All he does is win, like my man DJ Kylie says. All he does is win, win, win. And, uh, of course, you know, last season when we think about the Michigan State Wolverines, we think about this. Out. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts, Jack 
uh, you know, Damian Terry adds a, a running uh, a running game to the quarterback position that we really didn't have with Connor Cook, that we definitely don't have with Tyler O'Connor. Um, so I, I, I can see some, some switches going on there, um, some wildcat-type formations with, with Terry in there. But I, I think, you know, by the time, you know, Michigan State rolls into, uh, rolls into South Bend for, uh, for the game against uh, Notre Dame, you're going to be seeing Tyler O'Connor as, the, as the, the starter throughout the rest of the season from there. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, not just any quarterback can just roll into the to the horseshoe and come out with a victory. So I definitely think the fact that he's a fifth-year senior, he definitely knows the offense. And one of the things that's awesome about Michigan State is you may not know their names at the beginning of the season, but near the end or the middle of the season, Michigan State always has a way of being able to coach his players up. So one of the questions that a lot of people have in regards to Michigan State is, Oh, my gosh, we lost Burbridge. He, of course, won Big Ten wide receiver of the year. How are we going to replace him? So I'll pose that question to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, Burbridge, you know, we we graduate, you know, not just him. I mean, we graduated a ton of – we graduated a ton of great talent in this draft. Um, You know, we lost lost quite a bit. But, you know, we have quite a few players – uh, you know, that, that are going to be coming back. Um, you know, when I take a look at the, um, when I take a look at the wide receivers that we do have coming back, um, or, you know, just some of the ones that we have, you know, that are, that are just coming in, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about names like, um, oh, geez, I'm thinking about names like McGarrett Kings. Uh, uh, you know, I'm thinking about names like, like LJ Scott and Gerald Holmes out of the backfield. You know, we've got, We've got some pretty solid, um, you know, some pretty solid receivers uh, that will be, um, you know, that will be coming out there. Um, Monte Medeiros, uh, for instance, you know, we're actually doing a, a great piece on him, uh, the senior, um, you know, out of Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I think that he's actually going to be making some some pretty big waves uh, this year. You know, we've got Barstow. So there's 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 quite a few on on the uh, on the roster, and then you know don't forget you know, uh, Josiah Price, who you know I always called Connor Cooks uh, just re- you know just his pressure release valve. He's a big boy, you know. He's one of those one of those tight ends that um, you know Mark D'Antonio is is a huge blocking uh, uh, blocking coach. You know he he comes from uh, systems that really like to run the ball, really like to you know really like to hit you in the mouth. Uh, so, you know, uh, Josiah Price, is a, he's a big boy, and uh, but he's got some great hands. And his red zone targets, um, I think, are just going to go up this upcoming year. Uh, Matt Skokel as well, uh, Sokol, um, the sophomore, uh, getting, some, getting some reps in there. And then, you know, I think the running game is going to take a huge jump uh, from last year. Um, you know, with Connor Cook back there, we knew that we were going to be able to throw the ball, which is something that Michigan State hasn't seen in a while. Uh, but these running backs, um, you know, with another year underneath their belt, um, getting the chance to, you know, cut their teeth in some big games. Um, you know, some went well. Some, <laughs> in the case of Alabama, didn't go so well. But um, I think that, that, you know, they really understand what it takes to play on, on the bigger stage. And, and the running game is going to take a big step forward this year. Absolutely. You definitely mentioned the running backs. Sneakily, unless unless uh, people haven't realized, but 
although a lot of these Michigan State running backs may find themselves coming to the program unheralded, uh, Michigan State has done a, done a wonderful job of becoming a running back you. You just think of the fact that they have Jeremy Langford, they have, of course, Le'Veon Bell, and L.J. Scott looks like a next, the next great running back to come out of Michigan State, truly. But, of course, you know, with, when we think about Michigan State, we think about defense. And like you said, last, year, last season the offense, of course, uh, made some – became more of a pass-oriented based off the fact of Connor Cook. But on defense is where – is their hallmark. And one of the things that I worry about with the defense is the secondary was a little bit uncharacteristic last season. Uh, last year they gave up over 285 yards passing at least seven times. And – as in that in that Alabama game, they made Coca look like a first round quarterback, but of course he wasn't. Uh, where do you see them making improvements on that on, on the secondary? Because you know, without that secondary improvement, and you know that's where a lot of the questions will fly. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, last year, our secondary, and not a lot of people really realize this, because you know we were, you know, right up in the top. Uh, you know, right in the top of the rankings for the majority of the year. Um, you know, we took that dip after that that loss to Nebraska. Um, but, you know, uh, we got bit by the injury bug last year. Um, right. You know, you can think of that play that you played right before right before I came on. You know, the uh, the Michigan State, um, you know, Michigan, uh, Jalen Watts Jackson picked that up. Uh, in the celebration after that, he broke his hip um, with the dog pile that happened on him. Um, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had injuries, um, you know, people were beat up all year, Vontae Copeland, Demetrius Cox, Darian Hicks. Um, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a ragtag there for a while. Um, and we did get lit up. I mean, you know, Jake, I, I was actually in, at, uh, at Jerry World at, at, uh, you know, AT&T, you know, uh, AT&T Stadium for that game. Uh, and I and I saw it firsthand. Uh, you know, our we we looked like we were we were playing in a, you know, playing against the big boys there, and we weren't really ready for it. And I think that um, again, you know, the secondary just having a little bit of having a little bit of time to uh, to get into that. Um, you know, D'Antonio being a former cornerbacks coach himself is really going to work with those guys. Um, you know, in spring, it's really hard with spring practices. Um, to be able to tell where that's going to be. But uh, I, I do think that, that it's definitely going to be better than, than last year. And, um, you know, with the health, if the guys can stay healthy, which, you know, with all of this, you want to be able to get to Tampa, you're going to have to stay healthy at the right time. Um, it's 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 going to be tough, but um, I, I can see the secondary really picking it up this year and getting back to those, uh, you know, no-fly zone days of back in like 2011, 2012. Again, I'm on the line with Dom Garnett. He covers the Michigan State Spartans for theonlycolor.com. Now, of course, you know, one of the things that's great about the Michigan State, although on defense there may be a couple of questions in the secondary, on the other two levels of the defense, they definitely do have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, the secondary, uh, another another Buller brother is, uh, seems as if he's destined to uh, – Garner All-American Honors, and, of course, uh, Ed Davis was able to uh, get petition and get his sixth year of eligibility. Tell us a little bit about that linebacker duo, who, in my opinion, may be the best two linebacker duo in the country. It, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, you know, the, the linebackers that we've been able to have that have come through. Um, you know, Ed, you know, talk about the injury bug. That was a big thing that, that hurt Michigan State last year. Um, you know, uh, 
you can say, well, did it really hurt them? I mean, we were still able to, you know, make it to the college football playoff. I mean, I don't see us losing. Uh, I don't see us losing to Nebraska. If Ed would have been there, I don't really see us. Um, I don't see a lot of those games being as close as they were. Um, you know, the Bullock family, all of them are absolutely fantastic. Um, they are amazing for the university. And, you know, those, uh, I wish that Mr. and Mrs. Bullock could have had, you know, nine more sons <laughs> that would have been able to fill out this roster uh, because, you know, uh, Byron's going to be great. But, um, you know, Ed, Ed, Ed has a little bit of road in front of him. Um, you know, right now he's working on graduating. Um, we're not going to know uh, if he does qualify for that sixth year of eligibility until you know pretty much two weeks before the before the the season actually begins Uh, because he does have to graduate and then apply Um, but if it is anything uh, you know like Brandon Clemens you know he he's an offensive lineman that is going to absolutely uh, just bring the uh, the experience um, and the the leadership to that offensive line Um, if Ed gets that uh, you know we graduated a lot of really talented defensive players. You know, I think of Shalit Calhoun. Um, you know, we've had a lot of really fantastic uh, defensive backs um, that have come through. But with Ed and Riley up in the front, um, you know, that's that's a senior-led defense right there that you can throw in, you know, uh, I mean, it's not like you're just throwing him in there. But, you know, you throw in Malik McDowell, um, who I think is actually going to uh, – Malik McDowell is going to turn some heads this year on the defensive line. Um, he's not as quick off the ball as Shalee Calhoun was per se, uh, but I could see some, you know, all Big Ten hour honors, possibly some, you know, some uh, defensive player of the year honors uh, that could be coming from Malik McDowell this year. Uh, definitely. I mean, when you think about it, although, you know, you definitely cannot replace a Shalee Calhoun or a Lawrence Thomas, I mean, Malik McDowell, like you said, he, he appears as if he's going to be destined to uh, give a bear hug to Roger Goodell uh, uh, at the end of the season and may have some hardware as well. So last question I definitely want to ask you is, uh, I mean, how many, 54 and 14, I mean, four uh, 10-win seasons, I mean, what does Mark D'Antoni have to do to finally get his just due of respect? I'm sure he's not looking for praise, but, I mean, when you talk about elite coaches, you find him always being ignored and forgotten about. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I, I wish a little bit there would be a little bit more recency bias uh, here in the state of Michigan or in the Big Ten. Um, you know, you know he's. It, it's kind of funny. We 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 call it uh, disrespect. Hashtag disrespect. We spell it with a K. Um, we, you know, there's always a place to be able to find it. Um, whether it's you know a a running back for Michigan um, that you know calls us little brother. Uh, whether it's the fact that. You know, we went, you know, we won 12 games last year, uh, you know, 11 the year before with the Cotton Bowl win, you know, with the Rose Bowl win the year before, first Rose Bowl win for the, for the school and, you know, since 1987. Um, you know, it's, it's some pretty big numbers that we've been able to put up there. Um, you know, when you have coaches like Urban Meyer um, and you have coaches like uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, who are, you know, not only in your conference, but Jim Harbaugh's in the state, um, you know, you don't necessarily get a ton of that respect. Um, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we are used to this. Um, Michigan State fans are used to this. Um, 
you know, I actually, I made a prediction um, that I thought that the Spartans, I mean, you know, the way that the lineup is actually stacked this year, um, we have uh, Ohio State at home. We have Michigan at home. The toughest game that I really see on our schedule um, as far as like a real, real challenge is going to be Notre Dame, um, you know, with, with uh, it's like the second week of, of the college football, so the third week of the college football season. Right. So, um, right. you know, if we are able to run that table and let's say we're going into the Ohio State game undefeated and we're able to get through that, um, you know, I, I think that that would be something uh, that if you want to say <laughs> you get some respect at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, what? It's, it's all right. Let the noise go. Let everybody hype up Michigan. Let everybody hype up Ohio State. And, uh, you know, we'll hit the field and, you know, one game at a time, like, like the Antonio always says, you know, just take it one game day at a time and uh, one game at a time and do your business and the rest is going to shake out the way it's supposed to. Definitely. Again, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, tell my listeners where they can follow you on Twitter and also read some of your latest works. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, you can find me personally at Dom Garrett. It's uh, D-O-M-G-A-R-R-E-T-T. Um, you can also find us uh, on Twitter for The Only Colors. It's just at The Only Colors. And you can go to theonlycolors.com and uh, check us out there. Um, we actually had a, a roundtable prediction for this upcoming football season. It's right there on the homepage. And we're going to be doing some positional breakdowns uh, in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on to the show, and I definitely want to have you on throughout the season as, of course, the Michigan State Spartans continue to make doubters believers and find themselves uh, deep into the conversation when we start talking about national championships. All right. Perfect. I'll do it for sure, A.D. Thanks a lot, man. All right. One of the things I want to thank Don for coming on to the show, one of the things that's so awesome about Michigan State is the mentality that they have. The lunch pail mentality. Yes, they may find themselves not being the, the the media darlings. No, they don't have the charisma or the tech savviness of a Jim Harbaugh or Urban Meyer. But year in and year out, they find themselves in the conversation. They may not find themselves starting in the conversation, but by midseason, they find themselves somewhere in the top ten. Find themselves sneaking up, and before you know it, you have another ten win season on on the horizon. Now, one of the things that I do like about this Michigan State squad is, yes, they don't, they do a lot with a little. And when I say a little, I don't mean any disrespect, but a lot of the players who, of course, came in, who now people are saying are irreplaceable, these guys came to Michigan State, came to East Lansing, not as parade All-Americans with U.S. Army All-American uh, accolades or Under Armour accolades, but somehow they found a way to be able to go to the program and, uh, Mark D'Antoni made All-Americans and future pros out of all of them. So if, in fact, he was able to do that with a three-star or a two-star in Connor Cook and Shalik Calhoun, what do you guys think he's going to do now that he actually has four- and five-star players? I'm just saying. But, of course, we do know, as in time, of course, everything will reveal itself. Uh, when you look at the Michigan State Spartan schedule, yes, they do up and up against a cupcake in Furman, but after that, we're going to get a chance to find out really what this Michigan State Spartan team is about. Of course, the secondary, of course, is the biggest question uh, that when you think about the Spartans. So if they're either going against uh, 
Kaiser are going against um, – what's the other guy's name? The other Notre Dame quarterback. We're going to find out really quickly if that secondary is going to be up to snuff. Because if, in fact, that secondary, who, of course, last season was decimated, decimated by injuries and broken legs and fibulas and dislocated shoulders, if, in fact, they're up to par, then the Michigan State defense may find itself back amongst the nation's elite and also find itself as being one of those programs that's going to be in that title compensation. But, of course, as I say in life, as I say in sports, when it comes to the state of the Michigan State Spartans in 2016, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, of course, we are definitely going to see what's up. Again, I want to thank Don for coming on to the show. He did. I'm really happy I was able to get him on. Uh, we're going to have a lot of other guests coming on in the upcoming weeks. I consider it my duty. I consider it my responsibility. I consider it my calling to make sure that I have guests come on from all over the country. I do not ignore programs. Hey, you know what? We'll talk about the Blue Bloods. But you know what? The Cinderella's definitely deserve some love, too. Because at the end of the day, those Cinderella's have stadiums that fill up 65 and 70,000 seat stadiums. And you know what? They have the passion and the ambition and the desire and the expectation uh, that their team is going to do something great. My responsibility to ensure that I, that I get those experts onto the show to tell you guys what's happening, what's up when it comes to the state of their program and the expectations for them going into the upcoming season. Because, of course, you do know that although there's one champion crown, at the end of the day, that doesn't mean that everybody else had bad seasons. One of the things that's interesting when you think about the Michigan State Spartans is you find yourself saying, what do you remember of them? Are you going to remember them for coming up short in the Alabama game, or are you going to remember them for the last season for winning 11 games? 11 games is not something to snuff at. Winning 11 games is something that Jim Harbaugh wished he could have done. But, of course, you know, <laughs> we're going to see what happens this upcoming season. I'm excited. We have less than 60 days into the countdown uh, to week one. We have a lot of great games on tap. And with your help and your help, and uh, I think your help, too, I will be sure to try to have every team covered because you know what? I want to make sure and have the opportunity of saying that the expert who got it right, you heard it here first on uh, Countdown to Kickoff with your boy Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life the Country. Now, of course, as I bring this show to a close, of course I could talk about college football all day. I know I think about it all day. But I would be remiss if I didn't find myself talking about at least briefly before I bring the show to a close, about NBA free agency. Now, NBA free agency is scheduled to start in 12 minutes, 12 minutes before Hassan Whiteside, who made his contract this past season, paid him $985,000. 12 minutes until this guy's about to get a dollar pass paid. 12 minutes before before we find, go a step close to finding the fate of Kevin Durant and to finding out where will he go? Will he go there for a year? Will he stay there? Things of those particular questions get answered. One of the things, I don't ever like to try to talk bad about anybody getting paid, but one of the things that's going to be interesting is that at this particular point, free agency serves as a culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, not only of, of the players, but also of their families who, Put in a lot uh, for their young, for their sons, 
uh, to be able to be able to live out their dream. And in 12 minutes, a lot of these sons are now going to get an opportunity to show their appreciation to their family, be able to uh, ensure that their families reward their families for their sacrifice. And for me, that's something that's wonderful, being able to go for Hassan Whiteside, who, of course, struggled mightily in regards to trying to get on an NBA roster, now is not going to have any more worries. In regards to if, in fact, he goes to the Dallas Mavericks or if he goes to the Miami Heat, he's set for life. His family's set for life. And when you look at stories like that of guys like Hassan Whiteside, now I know he's a head case. I know he's been called immature. But you have to be able to respect his hustle. You have to be able to sit here and respect that he didn't give up. A lot of times in our life we face obstacles where we are given the chance of being able to throw up the white flag and just go ahead and try to do something new. Hassan Whiteside heard people tell him that he wasn't good enough. When he was at Marshall with the Golden Herd, yes, he was just a six foot ten lanky guy. When he went to the draft and found himself not drafted, found himself buried on the beat on the bench uh, with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers cut, traded, dismissed, and he still stayed the course. And even if it took, even when it took, made him have to go overseas or go to the NBDL, he stayed the course. And, of course, I'm sure that you, my listeners, can all relate to this. We've all had people in our lives who told us that we could do it. We've all had people in our lives that said, just quit and try something else. However, you know, although some people believe it, they now themselves regretting it. A lot of other people find themselves relate to the sound white side. No, we're not about to be making $22 million a year like a sound white side will be in 12 minutes. But we can say that we can relate to him because now he's taken a step towards culminating and realizing his dream. And that's something that I believe that all my listeners can relate to. Again, no, we're not going to get paid $20 million. But it's definitely something that can be said for being able to stay the course, overcoming adversity, ignoring the doubters, and in spite of, this is about to be his big payday. And you know what? He deserves it. Yes, he is immature. Yes, he is a head case. Yes, people have said not too many pleasant things about him. But staying the course, ignoring the doubters, and fighting forward in spite of that adversity and realizing your dream is something that's definitely happening. I want to say congratulations to Hassan Whiteside and his family uh, because he definitely do. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that that means that he's going to win a championship, but it's definitely something that we can all gain some form of inspiration from. Now, as I bring my show to a close, like I said, you know, the show started with put some respect on my name. Michigan State, put some respect on their name. Pundits say that they're going to finish third in the Big Ten even though they beat the two teams and everybody's picking ahead of them in Ohio State and Michigan, put some respect on their name. 54-14, and 14, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. You know what, Mark D'Antoni, put some respect on his name. My man is a great coach, and although he, he does not have a championship yet to his name, at the rate in which he's winning, it only appears that this is going to be inevitable. So put some respect on his name. And, of course, like I said in closing, Put some respect on the sound white side's name. Hard work is something is just a word until you do it. And as I close, remember that sports gives us an opportunity to take a time out from life and all the things that have a tendency of stressing us out. 
want to thank you for tuning in the show. Remember to stay tuned to sports. Back on my name. Start this shit off straight, telling all three of y'all. Back on my name. Put some respect on my name. All three of y'all. Put some respect on my name. Y'all understand me? I ain't got no more talk. I'm pulling up on you, man. Put some respect on my name.